You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Yesterday, the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average had the biggest one-day percentage drop since October of 1987, and the NASDAQ joined the Dow in bear market territory, which is defined as a drop of at least 20%. Fears of the coronavirus coupled with oil wars and uncertainties around the upcoming election, markets are volatile. So what does this mean for real estate? I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Today, President Donald Trump declared a national emergency due to the rapid spread of the coronavirus in the U.S. And soon after, stocks started to rally in late-day trading. But still, the record-setting 11-year bull run for stocks may be coming to a screeching halt. So the question is, is the party over or is this just a temporary hiccup? Today's guest has been on The Real Wealth Show before, sharing his insights on the strongest U.S. markets for residential and commercial real estate. And today, he's going to tell us if those markets are still strong given the circumstances. John Boyd is principal of the Boyd Company, which was founded in 1975 and provides real estate and management counsel to leading North American banking and financial services companies. Clients include Boeing, Chevron, JP Morgan, JP Morgan Chase, Visa International, PepsiCo, UPS, and other Fortune 500 firms. And he's here with us on The Real Wealth Show to share his insights. So welcome back, John. Kathy, it's great to be with you again. We had so much good feedback from the last time you were here when we were talking about what's going on in different U.S. markets. We have a very different topic today because a lot is going on in different U.S. markets, but maybe not so much what we were uh, planning last time we talked. Yeah, this is uh, quite uh, an interesting time that we're in with what we're seeing in the markets. Yeah. Now, obviously, the stock market has been very affected by news of the coronavirus and, of course, the oil wars. We may be looking at draconian measures where people won't be able to leave their home. I I don't know if it's going to get to that. But what we do know is uh, things are really going to slow down over the next month and maybe maybe much longer. And uh, so the question is, how would that affect the stock market moving forward? And and more importantly for our audience, uh, real estate and sure. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? I know it's kind of too soon to tell, but what's your, what's your gut say? Well, look, I mean, we're, we're in the middle of the worst stock market crash since 1987. Last week, $6 trillion have been lost. We've lost virtually all of the gains made since Trump took office. And, you know, this is really a supply side of the equation issue for most industries, okay? As you know, products manufactured in China have become more scarce, our economy is dealing with supply chain disruptions. We're seeing retail stores with inventory shortfalls, manufacturers without necessary raw materials and component parts, uh, home builders, okay, that are affected. Roughly one third of all building materials are produced in China. So th- this supply chain disruption is really you know, causing a severe economic slowdown, reduced hours, reduced incomes, layoffs, even bankruptcies. On the housing sector, the impact is not really on the supply side, but on the demand side and has to do with tanking incomes, layoffs, and a, you know, a real hit on our nation's housing market. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what you project or that's what you're already seeing? That's what we're seeing. You know, we're seeing a lot of projects, planned projects, not move forward because of all of the uncertainty and because of the, you know, the real hit ha- happening right now, this you know, very strong economic slowdown. 
what we have done is we, we actually have identified three markets that we projected be impacted the most, uh, housing markets that we projected be impacted the most by the coronavirus uh, economic slowdown. And the first are, are tourism-driven cities, our international gateway tourism cities like Las Vegas, Orlando, Miami, and New Orleans. The second are energy-driven cities. So you mentioned the, the oil situation and, of course, the global decline in demand for oil. We saw a 30% drop uh, in oil prices. Uh, so cities like Houston, Oklahoma City, and Tulsa, also smaller secondary energy cities like you know Western Pennsylvania, which is a burgeoning fracking industry, Southern Ohio and Colorado and Indiana, okay, also markets where fracking is widespread. Those markets we expect to see a hit as fracking becomes more cost prohibitive. And thirdly, financial service-driven cities, our major banking hubs like New York, Chicago, and Boston, along with secondary banking markets like Charlotte and Jacksonville, I think are going to bear the brunt of the Wall Street collapse. Uh, we saw the Dow drop 15% over the past two days alone. Our executives won't be getting the, the huge bonuses they expected just a few weeks ago. That will surely play in to the housing market uh, as well. Well, that was gloomier than I expected. So I, I mean, I, these are things I anticipated. I just didn't know that we would be seeing it so quickly. What a black swan event. I mean, just, just in January, I was giving my 2020 predictions saying, yeah, everybody, everything looks great as long as we can keep the game going. But it could stop at any moment for any reason. And here it is. I, I did not see this one coming. Now I look back and go, well, how could I have not seen this one coming? But that's how black swans usually work, right? That's right. I mean, this this really did catch us by surprise. And, you know, fortunately, the, the fundamentals are strong. The last February job support we saw was was very, very positive. And that's an endorsement, I think, of the administration's pro-business policies, the cut in the corporate income tax rate, uh, other types of regulatory uh, streamlining that have made this nation more competitive for business. Uh, this is an issue that needs to be dealt with. Hopefully, it'll play out sooner rather than later. And we'll see a, a economic recovery that I expect to see happen. And, and, and until then, I mean, there are some tools available. And it would be nice to see lawmakers work together and do some of the things like a you know payroll tax cut and uh, some of the other things that, that Trump is proposing. Do you think there would be an impact on with the payroll tax cut? I mean, if you've lost your job, that doesn't help you. I think, you know, any type of stimulus to get money back into the economy right now, I think would be a net positive. I also wouldn't be surprised. But later today, Trump is expected to declare a national state of emergency. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, industry analysts, a lot of executives, a lot of people that I uh, work with are viewing that as a potential predicate for suspending trading, uh, similar to what we saw in the wake of 9-11. I don't think that would be such a bad idea either. I mean, kind of take a moment uh, to kind of collect our breaths here and, and uh, you know, resume trading in, in a series of days or perhaps a week. That, that's something also, I think, that's another tool available to the administration along with the stimulus package or the payroll tax cut. Where is a safe place for your money right now? Well, I, I think, you know, uh, versus the very volatile stock market, and of course, a lot of people don't well, want to uh, invest in bonds. You know, I, I, housing and, and real estate continues to always be, you know, a safe place versus the, you know, the highly volatile stock market. And I think there are a number of exciting places to put your money in the, stock, in, in the real estate market. But, but just be cognizant of, of this era that we're in right now. And with a 24-hour news cycle, this uh, supply chain-driven global economy, uh, it's likely that the coronavirus, we will recover. 
it's likely this won't be the last time we see something like this. And, you know, bioterrorism now is is etched in the business planning activities of institutional investors and hedge funds that invest in real estate. So, I mean, these are things that our nation, you know, will will come to grips with. I mean, do you think this is going to change our behavior forever? And meaning we'll be staying home more, doing more online meetings. I mean, the last yes. two years I've been on airplanes more than I've been home. And that's what happens in a booming economy, right? I agree. But that, that's a great part of, of this that, that you mentioned. I think the coronavirus is likely to speed up the automation trend and the move towards a you know more automated workforce. I think it's going to also accelerate the pace of the remote workforce. And that'll have tremendous real estate implications where projects will be getting smaller. And that plays, of course, into the gig economy. And it'll create a platform for new legislation to make the lives of gig employees and remote workers uh, better and more financially stable. Yeah, so it's just always important to look at the opportunity. There's always opportunity, right? No matter how bad things get. And a common denominator among successful cities today that are attracting banking industry and healthcare industry are highly regarded automation programs, you know, major universities that are leaders in computer science for artificial intelligence. And that has tremendous implications in the real estate industry. So, you know, I expect advocates of major cities, people vested in a quick real estate turnaround, you know, to begin promoting artificial intelligence resources as a way out of this, right? And, and a way to mitigate a lot of these concerns. Yeah. And I, I mean, I could have a lot of haters for even mentioning the environment or climate change. I mean, people have such strong opinions on that. But I, I just also wonder, um, as we see the difference, when we look at maps and we see um, less planes flying and, and less factories, it, it's been better for pollution too. I mean, I wonder if this will change the way we do business. I believe that it will. And, you know, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle in states like California and States like Florida are, are slowly coming to the realization that climate change is a thing that needs to be dealt with, uh, especially if, if, you know, some of the nation's most influential business leaders that own second homes and prestigious uh, zip codes on the beach, whether that be Malibu or Miami or Palm Beach, are, are, have a personal vested interest in the climate change issue. And it's also a, a platform for lawmakers to work together for much-needed infrastructure upgrades. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the photo images of China and the difference in the in pollution when factories were shut down versus when they're operating. It was kind of fascinating. Yes, that, that type of image is, is striking. And, and it's a great illustration of, of this global economic shutdown and slowdown that, that we're seeing. Yeah, and also maybe some of the pollution we weren't seeing until now. Right, well, yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> Again, touchy su subject. A lot of people get really angry when I even mention climate change or in the environment. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people are so emotional about it? I think you know th there's a reasonable view that many Americans have that you know, there's really no way to legislate or tax or regulate your way out of a climate crisis. I think a lot of smart people think that the answer really is in new, you know new technologies. And the reality is, you know, our environment has gotten better. It's it's. It's developing countries like China that are contributing the, the most of, of, of the pollution today because of the regulations that we have in place, because of the incentives that exist for companies to reduce their carbon footprint and to be more energy efficient. You know, look, the, the U.S. is an exporter of, of clean energy for the first time in a long time. 
that brings forth some geopolitical and some environmental leverage that we have, I think, as we negotiate with, with countries like China on trade issues. Yeah, I've always found it interesting that, you know, we could um, export our pollution. So we, we like to import goods from China, but we want them to keep their pollution over there when they have to create this stuff for us. I, you know, that, that that's a great point. And, you know, because of years and years of anti-business policies in this country, it's also affecting our nation's healthcare industry. And so many of the, the drugs and medical supplies that our nation needs today to do testing and to, and to resolve the coronavirus, a lot of these materials are coming from China. And I think this also puts a spotlight on that as well. Well, they're not coming from China anymore, right? <laughs> we're not getting what we need. Right. Uh, and we're feeling that when we talk about the supply chain slowdown. Mm-hmm. We're, we're feeling it all on the healthcare front. Yeah, and this is what I, I really want people to hear because I'm on Facebook and I see a lot of, I don't want to say ignorance, that's harsh, but um, uneducation, about <laughs> that lack of education on this topic that, um, you know, maybe you're healthy and maybe you're strong and you can wander about, but the big issue is that the supplies that are needed for those who aren't maybe as healthy as others, we don't have. And so when we're walking about and potentially spreading the germ, um, that could affect the lives of others. And, and, and this is really serious. I, and there's, I think, some much-needed medicines that don't even have to do with coronavirus that we're not getting now. People that rely on them daily may not survive simply because they come from China. And I, you know, I don't know if these are things that we can begin to manufacture here. I, I would hope so, so that maybe one of the big lessons we've learned here is that importing everything is maybe not so wise. Yes. And, and you know, we are seeing this dramatic and pronounced reshoring of manufacturing activity in the U.S., in the automotive sector and in the aerospace sector, and also in the pharmaceutical and healthcare sector over the past several years. Much of that has to do with the corporate income tax cut to make our nation more competitive globally, the streamlining of regulations, and also the administration's very aggressive policy on federal procurement, where if you want to do business in the uh, several trillion dollar federal procurement market, you need to produce as many goods and services as possible here in the U.S. versus in China or Mexico. And we've seen that. I mean, people talk about record job creation over the past few years. A lot of that has to do with a real renaissance in our nation's manufacturing. And the coronavirus, again, underscores another benefit to bring as much pharma and biotech and pharmaceutical manufacturing here to the U.S. and out of China. Yeah. All right. So if you're a listener of The Real Wealth Show, John, let's just say that you're coming to us today to try to figure out what to do. Um, you maybe have some money in the market. Is it Should people get out now or just? You know, my advice is, is with respect to the stock market is obviously don't panic mm-hmm. and don't do anything reactionary. It's, it's kind of like looking in the mirror when you have the chicken pox. I mean, you're going to not like what you see. You're going to scratch it. You're going to make things worse. And in terms of is this the right time to buy? That that's the big focus so, among so many Americans today. I don't. I don't think you you, you want to try and catch a falling knife either. That's a very wise thing someone once told me. To, mm-hmm. So I, I don't. I don't know exactly where the bottom is, but I think our nation is a resilient nation. The, the fundamentals are very strong. The policies are pro business. They're, they're pro growth. Uh, we'll get through this hopefully sooner rather than later. And the message is 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 not to panic. Okay. Obviously, take precautions on the on the health front, I think the degree to which you can avoid being in, in you know, crowded areas is probably a wise thing to do. 
or around people who have been in crowded areas because they can carry it and not know it. I mean, it is just so you, you realize just all of the different industries that this is impacting. I mean, supply chain disruptions, Major League Baseball, Broadway shows. I actually went to the the Yankee Marlin spring training game at Roger Dean Field in, in Jupiter on Wednesday. That was the last spring training game of the year. I didn't know that at the time. But the little things you take for granted in terms of, you know, the, the calendar of your life. I mean, spring training baseball or, you know, Broadway show, all of these things today are not happening. So uh, I, I think yeah. we're gonna, we will come back uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Well, some would say a correction was needed. And unfortunately, it, it could have been anything to prick a bubble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a, this is uh, certainly a correction. Again, worst market crash we've seen since 1987. Wow. All right. So if you were in contract on purchasing a rental property in a growth area, you know, would you continue with that? I mean, what, what again, like if you were to invest in real estate right now, what would you do, if anything? I think there are a number of very exciting opportunities in real estate. And it really depends on the market and it depends on the project. Would I cancel a, a planned project that I did due diligence on and that I believe in? Because of the coronavirus, because of that factor alone, uh, probably not. And I, I don't expect uh, many projects to be canceled based upon the coronavirus alone. What, what we expect, of course, is just the types of activities that lead up to a deal are, are slowing down. That, that will prevent deals from happening, okay? Agents are not going to be showing as many houses or, or people aren't going to be willing to, to, to go out and, and to look at homes. Uh, we see that slowing down. We see the types of in terms of our, you know, uh, development projects, there's less corporate travel. There's less field visits to inspect candidate locations for a project. Okay, those activities will pick up once this virus uh, seems to be not the threat that it is right now. Whether that's a month or, or two months or three months, uh, that remains to be seen. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, it's the sober truth, but it's the truth. And we need to really look at our portfolios. Now, are you concerned about cash in banks? Do you think there'd be a run on the banks or a, a failure like we saw, you know, not so long ago? No, I, I don't uh, foresee that uh, happening. But, uh, you know, this is not any type of an indictment on the strength of our institutions right now. But that remains to, to be seen. And that'll be a function of just how protracted the coronavirus scare uh, truly is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like if everybody stayed home for two weeks, <laughs> you know, it would make a big dent. Um, and, you know, two weeks at home, that would be kind of a nice little relaxing time for people. Get to pull out those board games, maybe pull out that old guitar that needs to be dusted you know, off. <laughs> that's, one of the, that's one of the, thank heavens, this is, is happening now and not a decade or so ago. I mean, imagine dealing with a the scenario without Netflix or you know, words with friends or any of the types of the games you, you play on your phone. Well, let me just be super clear. We have clear. no ways to distract ourselves now. Yeah, well, don't watch Contagion like uh, Rich and I did last night. I, I don't recommend uh, going to sleep with that on your mind. <laughs> anyway, it was very good, though, and very freaky. Um, oddly, very similar to a lot of what we're experiencing, except no foaming of the mouth. All right, well... Um, so good to have you here and thank you for your insights. It's, it's sobering, but yet you stay calm and just know that we've been here before and we will get through it and over leveraged companies and over leveraged families may have a harder time, but hopefully, you know, most people listening have 
not done that and instead have invested in cash flow properties in areas that tend to withstand this kind of recession? I mean, are there any markets that you would say will be less affected by a downturn? You know, we, we identified those three markets that I think are, are hypersensitive to this. Again, tourism-driven cities, international gateway cities like Las Vegas, Miami, New Orleans, and Orlando. Energy-driven markets, okay, Houston, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, and some of the secondary fracking markets, Pennsylvania, Southern Ohio, Indiana, and Colorado. And the financial service hubs, New York, Boston, Chicago, and the secondary banking hubs, Charlotte and Jacksonville. In terms of, you know, more resilient markets, you know, I... That's really a more difficult question. I think the, that really is a project-driven sort of analysis that I would say. But uh, I think one especially vulnerable sector, of course, is the you know air, air and B sector with our shared economy. And of course, that's being impacted by the decline in travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who wants to share their house with anyone right now? Good I, point. I spoke at a redevelopment forum last week in New Jersey. And a major topic was the rise of the shared economy. And a lot of advocates that are trying to stop and slow the shared economy, like Airbnb, are citing the rise of you know, global health crises as a, a reason for lawmakers to put you know, more regulations in place. So that's something to keep an eye on. And <laughs> yeah. many of our development clients are becoming more cognizant of the local tenor among you know, elected officials and how they view the, you know, things like Lyft and Uber and, of course, Airbnb. Yeah, that's, that's a, a very good point. I mean, uh, I'm not getting in anybody's car anymore. Not right now. <laughs> I'll be driving my own car if I go anywhere. And that's something I wouldn't have said six months ago. I would have said, you know, at some point, maybe we won't be needing our own cars. Although deep down inside, I thought, oh, I could never live without a car. But uh, yeah, now I'm more inclined to just take myself All right. Well, once again, John, so good to have you here on The Real Well Show. Thank you so much for your insights and stay safe and I guess wash your hands. (laughs) Thank you, Kathy. Yes, wash your hands and and we will get through this hopefully sooner rather than later. Yes. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Well Show. Nothing is certain these days. So just breathe, pray, envision the best and look for the opportunity. I'm Kathy Fetke and thanks so much for joining me here on The Real Well Show.